As we gather this morning, um, I said actually, it's, it's many of us, if you are here visiting for the first time, but you'll, uh, there are a number of people that are missing this morning. It's nice to see others that are returning. It's great to be able to see you. It really is nice to be able to look out and see uh, your faces. And uh, there was a wedding this weekend. I mentioned it yesterday, Max and Kiara, and I'm looking out and seeing um, Jerry and Pauline also, who celebrated the wedding of their daughter, Esther, uh, and Michael. Uh, last weekend, also worked as interns and volunteers at Granville Chapel, just same. And um, so uh, really, congr- we should, let's, let's congratulate as well, Jerry and Pauline. For, yeah. Big, big days and uh, special times, so. Um, and uh, yeah, I want us to come back to, uh, last week I, I shared with you via Zoom um, something of, the story of Jesus meeting the widow at Nain. Um, it's a story from Luke 7. And, uh, you know, as we, we gathered last week as a community, having just heard the news of Andy's passing, and, and, uh, and this week alone, we have um, three memorial services. Um, tomorrow is uh, Julie Chetty's uh, memorial service. Um, Julie and her husband, Selvan, who was a member of our board, uh, our treasurer, and uh, their two daughters, um, young family. Uh, we pray for them. Malcolm and Sylvia Marshall, uh, who passed away uh, in recent weeks and months. Um, we will be remembering and celebrating their life on Friday. And then, of course, uh, also on Saturday, we'll be gathering here as a church um, to celebrate and remember Andy, uh, our lead pastor here at Granville Chapel. So it's a you know, there's a lot that we think about. There's a lot that we come into as we, as we gather as a church. Um, and we're coming back out of COVID. We're reappearing gradually and we're seeing one another. And there are faces that are not here. And we've, we've lost a number of dear people over the last two years. Um, some of our seniors who um, are now with the Lord. And, you know, but it's, it's in this, this is, uh, it seems a, a strange season. Um, You know, meanwhile, I read uh, this week about the BC um, drug overdoses. Over 10,000 people have lost their lives um, through drug overdose since April 2016. Over 1,000 already this year. Um, People who we... uh, We we heard from Benton the other week who shared his story of his own grief of a a friend um, close to him. And there are, as we gather here, those who are working alongside those on the downtown east side and in other parts of the city, coming alongside those in place, people in place of desperate brokenness and hurt. And, uh, and so we grieve and we, we weep when we hear these things. And, it, and death is something that is not, it, it, it comes to us all. And we remember, of course, this morning that as the world heard the news of the death of Queen Elizabeth II, who passed, and uh, now uh, we enter into this new season under a new um, monarch of King Charles III. And I said to my daughter, this is, you know, as they reflected, oh, that just sounds weird. And I said, well, it does, because so many of us, in fact, most people have only ever heard or have Queen Elizabeth II as their reference point, to which my 14-year-old said, well, yeah, that's me. And I had to say, no, it's me as well. Um, this this is uh, this is the the season. This is this is what we're in. So, you know, and so as we come together to worship, as we come together this morning, and believing that the Lord has brought us here, and He's brought us by hand because He has something that He wants to say to us. 
And what is it that he wants us to know? What is it that he needs us to be reminded of? And, and, I, and I wanted us to, to kind of come together last, as we gathered last week, remembering the God's compassion in Jesus' scene as he approached and saw the need to the widow at Nain, who'd lost her son, her only son. She'd lost her husband. This woman was now really at the point of destitution. And in the crowd and the wailing and the noise and the chaos and the confusion and the pain and the agony that is death, Jesus saw her as he sees each of us um, this morning. Jesus expressed his compassion for her. Why is it that he saw her? Why is it that we feel these things? Well, because death hurts. It bruises and it robs us. C.S. Lewis, the author and theologian wrote that the death of a beloved is an amputation. It's hard to have patience with people who say there is no death or death doesn't matter. There is death. And you might as well say that birth doesn't matter. See, Jesus' compassion with which he meets us this morning is founded upon a depth of knowledge and understanding and an identification with our pain and our suffering that we can scarcely fully comprehend or understand. And so again, as we come this morning, a weekend, and more things happening, and life rolls on, and things keep happening, and stuff comes at us, and we get thrown through loops and tripped and, and, and side... What's the word? Sideswipe. Side no, not sideswipe. Oh, I don't need that mic. It's been a while. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> I do the same thing with my phone. The phone is not in my hand. Anyway, so whatever questions we might have, like who is he? Uh, whatever questions we might have, whatever, whatever pain, whatever hurt, um, you know, he sees us. He sees you this morning. He really does. And we have that truth and we know that knowledge and all the things that we don't know. But when we come to the word of God, we see and we hear and we learn and we're reminded that Jesus, he sees us. Not only does he see us, he's not, he's not watching us from afar, but he is with us in our pain and in our hurt and in our confusion. He's with us and he carries our pain. He carries our wounds. And so we come, we look, we see the things around us. We see the distress, we see the hurt. We see the loss, but we see also him. And his encouragement, his invitation is that we would lift our gaze, that we might see him looking straight back at us this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up now to, to John 11. And this is a familiar story uh, with many of us. So I'll just give you a minute um, to find that either on your phone or old school in your paper Bibles. I feel naked without the microphone now. <laughs> right, so let's go with this then. From, um, from Luke 11, verse 17. And when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here, and he's calling you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were there with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? You know, the thing that, um, as we look at this story, it's a familiar story. Um, the, the, the familiar and, and the words that stand out, and you'll hear people have often said, you know, probably their favorite verses or the most powerful verse of it's just these two simple words that they read in verse 35, Jesus wept. At the death of his friend, Jesus wept. Have you ever wondered why Jesus wept? Jesus had already said to his disciples, no, this is not going to end in death. Jesus then had some inkling of what he was going to do. This is to the Father's glory that he should die. So why did Jesus weep? Why didn't Jesus suddenly calm everybody down and say to everybody who was there weeping and wailing, hey, hey, hey it's okay, it's okay, I got this. Because he did, he did have it. There was no point at which anything that was going around on was beyond his control. So why then did Jesus weep at this point? He wept because death hurts. He wept because he felt the pain of loss and grief. Because he saw the pain and the hurt of those who were around him. Jesus wept, and these verses are important to us because it's important to know that it's okay not to be okay in these moments. We read that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit, greatly troubled. Well, we understand actually this is a sense that Jesus bellowed with anger, Deeply moved, Jesus railed against what was happening, what he was seeing, what was unraveling, the misery inflicted upon us by evil, by, through death, through suffering, the consequences of our fallen world. And Jesus wept because he felt and knew the hearts of those to whom he stood alongside. As he stands with us today, 
Because Jesus' love, he leads with compassion and he draws close to us in his compassion. Jesus not only knows and feels and identifies with our pain, more than that, he takes our pain upon himself and we see that on the cross. We read in Isaiah 53, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus wept because he felt every pain and every grief that we feel today in death and loss and sickness and suffering. In grief, we, we come to him. We come before the, the Lord, the giver of life, who himself submitted his own life to death. In grief, we come with questions and doubts. We have, they, they challenge our faith. We may even ask about the goodness of God. And then we look to the cross. And we're reminded of the goodness of God. That on the cross, Jesus gave his life that we might live. That he who was, lived a perfect and sinless life, who was without sin, yet died that we might live. But because of his perfect, sinless life, there was no hold that death could have over him. And through his death and resurrection, Jesus made a way that all of us, all who believe in him, should not perish but have eternal life. That's why Paul, the Apostle Paul, sought to remind us that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Death remains very much our enemy. He is still very much active in our world around us. But through the cross, he's been defeated. And yes, we grieve, but because of Jesus, we know that there is victory over death. And so we no longer need to live in fear of death. But we live in hope. As we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Because of Jesus and his death and his resurrection, we have a hope that our enemy and the greatest thing that Satan can throw against us has been defeated. And as Paul said, in Romans 8, that which once separated us from God, death, sin, will never separate us now from the love of God. What was once finality and hopelessness is now the means by which we will be fully united with Jesus and permanently transformed into his eternal likeness. 
Jesus comes to us this morning as he comes to us each morning and he pursues us as he has always pursued us with his living hope. And his desire for us is that his kingdom power would break into our grief and into our hopelessness and into our despair. Through Jesus' resurrection, he silences the noise and the chaos of death. And he brings to us peace and comfort and hope. And he ministers us, ministers to us today by his spirit, that same spirit that raised him from the grave. Last week, we heard, we were replayed Andy's message that was recorded um, almost a year ago. And in that message, Andy described what he imagined, what he and others that we have had to say goodbye to in recent years, what he and they glimpsed and hoped for, they now see in full. That's our hope. That's our joy. That's our confidence. We read in John 12, Truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. As we come this morning, we are invited again to lay down our lives at the feet of Jesus. Our understanding, our way of seeing things, our way of understanding, our way, Lord, why didn't you do it my way? We lay them again at his feet. And we surrender our will and our lives to his purpose, to his kingdom, for his glory's sake. As confusing and as mysterious and as painful as that may be. As we just sang, Lord, we fall at your feet. Where else do we go? It's in this place of dying to self dying to our own ways, dying to our own understanding, that we get to experience the inbreaking of God's kingdom power. We can come to him with all of this, plainly and honestly and painfully, say, Lord, this is me, and this is where you find me today. And in that face, we can know his kingdom power breaking in. We're reminded in Psalm 30 that he will turn our wailing into dancing, that he removes a sackcloth and clothes us with joy. We're reminded in John 16 when Jesus spoke to his disciples of his own death, he said, truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so it is that we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. That doesn't mean that we do not grieve. But we do so as those who have hope and can therefore encourage one another with these words. <laughs>